Balancing the needs of public health and mental health, it's a challenge, but Johnson County is addressing both. On this episode, hear from Johnson County mental health and public health experts. They'll talk about the toll the pandemic is taking on the community, not just COVID-19 infection, but also the challenges that come with isolation and physical distancing from others. They'll also address how the two departments work collaboratively to ensure mental health is a priority as public health decisions are made. Whether you live in or just love Johnson County, Kansas, JoCo On The Go has everything Johnson County. Here's what's happening and what's coming up in the community you call home. Thanks for joining us for JoCo On The Go. I'm your host, Teresa Freed, a Johnson County resident and employee of Johnson County government. There's no doubt that the COVID-19 pandemic is challenging all of us in ways we maybe never considered. With high levels of community transmission, promoting public health safety precautions is essential, but it's also coming at a cost of mental wellness. We know there's a lot of conversation about this in Johnson County, so we want to address it head on. And who better to talk about these issues than our Johnson County Department of Health and Environment Director and our Johnson County Mental Health Center Director. Thank you both for being here today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Well, if you can start off just by introducing yourselves, talk a little bit about your role, um, especially within the pandemic, and we'll go ahead and start with Dr. Ariola. Uh, good morning. Uh, thank you, Theresa. Uh, thank you, team. Um, obviously, these are, these are uh, different times. Um, we are dealing with uh, a pandemic, uh, unlike any that we have seen in, in recent times, with uh, really very unique uh, challenges. Uh, the more obvious ones, obviously, is the uh, uh, threat to uh, vulnerable people uh, of uh, infections with the uh, virus uh, that causes COVID-19. And, and we've seen different effects from um, uh, death in some people to um, other more serious uh, consequences. And the public health response of um, broad testing and uh, tracking data and public information and at some point uh, different interventions that uh, we have taken uh, the, the more common ones the more effective ones right now is uh, the campaign around wearing masks that we tell people one thing though that we have consistently been uh, very clear about is that we understand the impact of the, the disruptions to our normal ways of doing things at some point we, we, we love to help people, we love to, to, uh, to socialize, we love to shake hands. All of those things are things that we've had to adapt to. Uh, we've changed uh, our ways of uh, interacting with people in ways that uh, even beyond the, the uh, impact, emotional, mental, physical health of the pandemic itself, is these disruptions to uh, our normal ways of life. And so, so we understand that. And as um, the team is going to chime in as we talk, uh, I do want to emphasize uh, again throughout the recording that for us, uh, public health is mental health. Mental health is public health. And we have to have uh, not just the physical aspect of health, the mental, emotional wellness are all important in, in how we do mental health. And so we... Um, we acknowledge that and we'll continue to work with the team and its terrific team on 
uh, ensuring that we are addressing both. Uh, we are addressing the impacts of COVID-19, but we are also uh, keeping track and doing the best that we can to uh, address uh, uh, the impacts, the mental health and emotional health impacts, understanding that we have a terrific team here within, and they have laid the groundwork over the years on, uh, on how to make this work. And they've been working around the clock. Uh, people have to understand that even during the shelter in place, when uh, places were shut down, team and team still were not. <laughs> they were working. So um, thank you for the opportunity. We do have some, some work to do in terms of the transmission. Uh, we still, uh, last week, for example, we had 673 uh, new infections. Uh, that translates to 96 uh, new infections per day. That's still too high. We need to bring that down as we open up our schools, as we um, uh, increase opportunities for visitation at our long-term care facilities, uh, senior living uh, facilities. Uh, we need to bring those numbers down. Uh, schools are reopening, and, and for us, the consideration about the getting criteria Again, it's not just uh, the health, it's about the mental, emotional impact of uh, COVID-19. It's the benefits of uh, children uh, interacting and the benefits of those social interactions. It's also listening to the fears of the teachers and the administrators, but also listening to what the community wants. So it's a, it's a balancing act and in putting all of those together and making what we think is the best recommendation to the, to the community. Uh, finally, I would just say that the good thing is that over the past several weeks, we have not gotten really worse. Uh, we are not down to where we want, but at, at the point we had a tra trajectory that was scary where we were just almost doubling every week. We seem to kind of have stabilized, which means uh, we have quite a few people, maybe not enough, that are wearing masks. We have quite a few people that are respecting the social distancing the rules and other measures that we have in place, and that's a good thing. We need to keep doing that. Uh, we continue to work with Tim and, and uh, Tim and his team uh, to address the mental and emotional health aspects of uh, that we acknowledge is, is a part of uh, is a serious and critical uh, consideration as we respond to this pandemic. All right. Thank you very much for that. And Tim, can you talk a little bit about your role, especially within the pandemic? And then um, if you can just talk a little bit, too, about what we're seeing in the community as far as mental health impacts uh, from the pandemic. Certainly. I think that um, first and foremost is, is that um, we look at um, and know that we're all experiencing this, um, this pandemic, uh, for the first time. And as Dr. Ariola said, you know, this is something unlike anything we've ever seen. And so we all are experiencing this for the first time, and we all are going to have different reactions. And so I think that's the important piece is that every individual is going to react to this differently. They're going to have um, different experiences. And so that we have to be um, thoughtful um, we have to be understanding, and I think it's a perfect opportunity for us to provide um, a little understanding and grace to one another. I think one of the things that we have known for years is that people with major mental illness, they die 25 years um, younger than the general population. And so when you start to think about vulnerable populations, individuals with serious mental illness are in fact um, vulnerable to this virus. Um, they have uh, comorbid conditions um, across the board. And so the thing for the mental health center is we have um, a number of people that have serious mental illness 
we have children that have severe emotional disturbance, and we have been tasked with providing uh, all of these services to um, these individuals um, during this pandemic, while at the same time then responding to a, new, a whole new host of, of folks who are experiencing high anxiety, who are experiencing um, increased depression because their lives have changed. So we have, we have um, started to serve a whole different population. So while we continue to serve those individuals that have major mental illness, we also are, are needing to respond to our community and, and make sure that we're responding to them in, in a way that's supportive, um, that validates the experiences that they're, that they're having. I think the thing that is really important for us to remember as well is that we have to be able to um, distinguish between what is disappointing to us and what is actually negatively impacting our mental health. And so there's, those two things are very, um, very different. Um, if, if we're experiencing something that is negatively impacting our mental health, so if we are depressed to the point that we begin to have suicidal ideation, then that's when we need to make sure that we're reaching out and, and accessing help and accessing care. But if we're simply just disappointed um, about a situation or about something that we're not going to get to do, um, I think that is where we need to then begin to pivot, identify what needs we have, and then start to create some new coping mechanisms. Because the fact is, is that this is temporary. Um, the pandemic will end. Um, and what we have to do is find the best way that each one of us can adapt and put in new coping strategies so that we can manage all the things that are changing. And, and it seems like things are changing day by day. Uh, and so we will continue to have this season of change, uh, but it will be important for us to be able to manage that and find new ways to adapt. Um, and, and also to be able to look for and, and know how to access care, uh, whether that be contacting our insurance and finding out whether we have mental health coverage or if that means contacting the mental health center. And I would, I would like to say that one thing that, that since the pandemic began is that we really want to serve as that, that gateway to mental health services or behavioral health services. So if you're just not sure where to turn, you can certainly just call us and whether you have insurance or if you have a provider through your insurance, we'll help you get connected to those individuals. If you don't and you need us to provide those services, then we'll certainly help get you connected with the level of care that you need. I think that the final thing is, is that um, Dr. Ariola spoke about, um, about how uh, we partner together and we have a long history of, of working with the public health department primarily because if you are in good physical health, then you can work and be in good mental health. And there is no good physical health without mental health. And so I think that we have uh, long realized that we need to take an approach that ensures that we are managing this epidemic while also providing the support necessary to help people manage their emotions, to manage what they're experiencing. And so I think we'll continue to do that together. And, and I think as a community, as a community, we can get through this. Um, this isn't just a public health issue. It's just not a mental health issue. It's a community issue. And we all have a responsibility to help one another 
Um, and we do that by wearing masks. We do that by socially distancing. And we do that by still staying socially connected with one another in new and different ways. And so I would challenge people to look at how they can take this opportunity um, to be able to build resilience and look at how we can uh, do the things that we want to do, but do them differently during this time. And can you guys address a little bit more about how these are not competing priorities? What are the conversations that you both are having about the value of, of both of these priorities and, and you know, how, how do you balance? Yeah, I think I'll, I'll go first in this. I think that the, the first is, is that they, they can't be competing priorities. Um, because again, um, you know, one of the things that I used to say uh, before the pandemic is that it does me no good to help someone manage their symptoms of schizophrenia and they walk outside the door and have a heart attack because of their untreated hypertension. That's no different in this. We can't be, be competing. It does me no good to help some, someone manage the stress um, that they're experiencing, the, the higher anxiety, the depression that's as a result of the pandemic if they don't socially distance or wear a mask and they get sick with COVID and, and, um, and, and have a difficult uh, reaction to that. So the bottom line is, is that we need to follow the recommendations of our pub, public health officials. At the same time, we need to be able to support one another in managing this in a way that we can um, find um, new ways to cope, um, new ways to manage uh, the anxiety that we experience. I mean, at the end of the day, we have an opportunity um, to really help our young people uh, be able to develop uh, coping strategies and resiliency so that if they're able to manage this, if they're able to manage the pandemic um, and, and we get through this, um, as I know we will, we will have a generation that regardless of what is presented to them, they'll be, over, they'll be able to overcome it. And I think they'll be able to overcome it because we didn't compete for mental health or public health. The, the bottom line is, is that public health has been an issue for a number of years. Mental health has been an issue for equally number of years, and we have continued to work together. The pandemic has just um, created a new twist on all of that, and we have to be able to find a way to manage that together. And, and I, I would um, re reiterate uh, uh, a lot of uh, uh, Tim's uh, point. Um, health uh, uh, defined is really, is a, it's not just the absence of infirmities, it is a state of complete physical, mental, emotional health wellness. That's health. So it's not either or. Uh, if you are physically okay and you are not mentally or emotionally, then you are not at the top of, uh, uh, of the wellness and health that you, that you should be. And vice versa, if you are mentally and physically okay and you are not uh, mentally and emotionally okay, and you are not physically okay, that's not, that's the, then we have more work to do. So those are the things that we need to, to keep in mind. And again, um, there's a, uh, even prior to the pandemic, like Tim was saying, um, the community got together, what we call the local public health system, all of the stakeholders, they did a, a community health assessment. 
and, and mental health was at the top of, of that list. And that required a lot of collaboration between our staff and mental health uh, staff. And uh, the, the, the consequence of that community health assessment is what we call CHIP, which is the Community Health Improvement Plan. And that's designed to take us to where we want to be as a community. Again, uh, again at, the, at, the, at, the, at the core of this is collaboration between the two departments, but also mental health is featured prominently in those community health improvement plan. So um, I would also say third thing that uh, Tim and, his, uh, and, and the mental health team have done is they, uh, people forget that we have staff that are also impacted by the COVID and still working every day, every night, trying to manage this pandemic. Uh, so with them, it's not just the stress of uh, the change in life or the disruptions in life, it's also the fact that they're working around the clock at a high stress level. And you have been very good uh, resource to our staff to ensure that they are coping. And uh, like you said, stress uh, coping mechanisms and, and sending updates and sending uh, information to our staff and physically uh, visiting and providing that. So again, um, uh, I, my key point again is uh, mental health is public health. Public health is mental health and there's no they both work together. Right now, actually presents a unique opportunity for us to demonstrate that. And I think that's what we're doing. We're dealing with the pandemic. Uh, one of the consequences, of course, is, are some mental, emotional health concerns. And we're dealing with that, uh, those simultaneously, collectively, not an either or approach. And just to further make that point, um, as you mentioned, we're in a, a pandemic. This is a temporary situation, although it feels like it's going on forever, but uh, this is not the first time that these departments collaborated on, on issues. And, you know, when you talk about community mental physical health, um, other initiatives have been things like addressing uh, the opioid crisis and uh, tobacco use and things like that. So can, can you just, um, you know, briefly talk about how those, those are other initiatives that in yeah. which you guys collaborate? Yeah, I can, I can um, um, start on that. You know, again, like I said earlier, that we've had a long history of working together with the public health department, and we rely upon them heavily um, in, 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 in a number of ways. Uh, and so when you look at um, tobacco use for individuals that have major mental illnesses, 80% um, of tobacco products across the nation um, are sold to individuals that have um, mental illnesses. And so uh, we also know that, that a large number of individuals with mental illnesses um, use drugs and alcohol. And so to be able to work um, and, and to um, work with the public health department on preventative measures so that we're looking at how we can decrease um, tobacco use and uh, tobacco cessation, or how we can um, address um, drug abuse in our community. And so prior to the pandemic, um, we had multiple, uh, multiple staff working together on um, a number of different things. We had um, folks working on um, underage drinking initiatives. We had um, a number of folks that were working uh, very extensively with the school districts on the vaping um, epidemic that was going on um, and that is actually still going on it's just that our attention has been taken away um, from that to be to be put on on the pandemic and, and quite frankly for those individuals that are vaping and, and, and using tobacco they're at a higher risk of, of, um, of the virus and so we have to continue to do all of those things that we were doing prior to uh, the pandemic in addition to responding to the pandemic. 
Um, finally, I'll say that we also just this last year started working intensively um, with their epidemiologists. I mean, prior to that, I think most of the mental health center folks um, didn't even know what an epidemiologist was, but we did because we were working with them on, um, the, on the number of suicides that had taken place in our community. And so we were looking at the data and, and seeing how we can, can be more proactive to, to prevent and disrupt the, the youth suicides that were occurring in our, our community. And so we, I think we have done a lot of work um, prior to the pandemic that really has set a good foundation um, for us moving into this. And, and I'm thankful that, um, that we were able to do that because I think that if, if we hadn't have done that, um, we may have been seeing more um, difficulties with mental health and, and, and suicides than, than we are experiencing right now. And I think some of the work that has occurred over the years uh, is really uh, why uh, we have really somewhat resilient community where um, the impact uh, is not is is could and could blunted not as, not as bad as it would have been if we did not did not have those uh, preparations and build those um, those relationships ahead of time. Uh, for public health, uh, our role uh, also include providing data. That's what uh, Tim came up uh, that mentioned epidemiologists there. It's tracking what's going on in the, in, the, in the community and looking at the numbers and looking at opportunities uh, to improve those. Another area, which is one of my initial conversation with uh, your team, team when I first got here, was about uh, using data to track incarceration. It's the same group of people that we have with mental health that you see that is kind of occupying our emergency room departments that have been incarcerated and to make sure that uh, attention is paid to uh, giving them the help that they, that they need uh, and not uh, bogging up our ED or our, uh, 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 justice uh, systems. And so those are, this, uh, again, uh, uh, public health is about building uh, network into the community. I don't know that there's an agency with a more um, direct path than the mental health with public health. So we, we look forward to continuing those collaborations. I think uh, the community will benefit uh, profoundly from that. All right, that's great information. And you know, uh, October is a time that we focus on the issue of bullying and you know this has become such a divisive issue especially when it comes to following safety precautions and so um, I just wanted to address a little bit about what's what's happening in the community um, from both of your perspectives you know there's there's COVID shaming that's now an issue that we're dealing with um, can you just talk about how um, how the community can address these issues certainly um... I think that that you know we we talk a lot about the impacts that that COVID had, that the COVID pandemic has had on our mental health and and our our, our well being, um, but right now is a unique time um, across our community. Uh, so I think we've had equally as many um, difficulties adjusting to uh, the racial issues that that are occurring. Uh, I think that we can take a look at the economic impact the pandemic is having. Uh, we, we look at the divisiveness and the polarization of, of our communities. And I think all these things take a toll. 
um, on our physical health and our mental health. And so, you know, one of the things that I've been asked about recently um, has been about kids returning to school. And, and the fact is, is prior to the pandemic, I was talking a lot about um, under, underage drinking and drug use and bullying and the use of social media um, to shame people and, and, and gaslight um, uh, people. And, and so the fact is, is that there are kids um, right now that um, because they're not in school, they're not experiencing some of those things. Um, the fact is, is that from my perspective, the number one way that we can um, help um, our youth is for us as adults to begin to model positive behavior, to treat one another with respect and dignity, um, to understand that we're not going to agree on everything. I feel confident that Dr. Ariel and myself will not agree on every single thing that we ever discuss. But the fact is, is that he and I are gonna be respectful to one another, we're going to listen to one another's side, and then we're gonna find a way to move forward. And I think that is what is missing right now, is, is for us to be civil to one another, um, to be respectful to one another, and that we can't expect young people um, to uh, do that if we as adults um, cannot demonstrate that positive behavior. And so for me, the first thing that we should focus on in October is to make this um, a month of civility, make this a month of treating with one another with respect and understanding. Uh, and I think that if uh, we could do that, then we would go a long ways in helping our community be both mentally and physically healthier. And, and, and bullying uh, was not acceptable prior to the pandemic, and it's not acceptable now. And just in addition to that, or maybe really reiterating your point, is that um, a lot of our interventions are based on educating and providing the right information. And the, the people that, that, that have more influence on our youth and, and our communities are leaders in the community. So what you say, what you write, what you put on social media, media, what you tweet, is these kids are seeing that and unconsciously, unconsciously sometimes, that's what they're trying to do. So bullying is never okay in whatever form that it comes. And uh, we as public health, mental health leaders will say that, but we also need to see the same thing from our leaders. How you talk, how you interact, the things that you post, the things that you say, have to uh, be uh, said and done in ways that build our youth up and not take them towards the paths that are, that are not okay. We all have seen the consequences of bullying um, uh, and on, on, on other children. And most of the kids that are doing it are not uh, informed enough to know the consequences of their actions. And that's where, again, uh, it takes a while to learn those things and will continue to educate that the school system is doing a good job doing that. That's why, again, very important that leaders in the community are very conscious about what they say and what they and how they act. All right, great information there. And um, sort of in line with that, we're seeing um, increased incidence of suicide. And I don't know, Tim, if you want to talk a little bit about what the what the data is and, and your thoughts on on that issue. Sure, uh, and unfortunately, um, any death by suicide is too many in our community. And, and the fact is, is that we've had an epidemic of suicide within this community for a number of years. 
Uh, and, and fortunately, I think a lot of the protective factors that we've put in place within our community, a lot of the initiatives that we have worked on to promote access, to destigmatize um, getting help, and also removing some of the barriers to access has really improved things. Um, and, and in fact, you know, created a, a mechanism that during the pandemic we have, have seen um, deaths by suicide, but not at necessarily the rate that other communities have. Uh, you know, I'm hopeful that we will end the year um, with fewer suicide, deaths by suicides this year than we did last year. Um, right now, we're, we're under that total number, um, but we'll, we'll just have to see how the rest of the year plays out. The bottom line is, is that no mental health um, issue, no suicide, death by suicide should ever be used as a mechanism to argue to not follow the guidance um, of public health officials. Um, we, we need to eliminate suicide um, prior to the pandemic and we'll need to do it after the pandemic. And so um, what we can put in place to disrupt that, to provide people options um, and, and knowledge and know how to access help, I think we'll be in a good place. So yeah, we've experienced our fair share of deaths by suicide and all of those are tragic. Um, but I, I'm hopeful that, that, we, that we have put in place the things that we need to, to, um, to mitigate um, many, as many of those as we possibly can. And Tim, do you wanna just throw out the, the number if, if people need help? Absolutely, 913-268-0156. Um, and, and that is not only um, to call if you have someone that is um, experiencing suicidal ideation. If you just have questions about mental health, um, you can call that number 24 hours a day, seven days a week. All right, very important information there. And just to, to wrap us up, uh, I know a lot of people are just looking for some signs of hope. Uh, this pandemic has lasted a long time and it's unlike anything we've ever had to deal with before. It's, it's as I mentioned earlier, it's created a lot of challenges. And so I think you know, part of that hope is looking to how are we going to end this? So, um, Dr. Ariola, if you want to just address ways that we can all do our part to prevent that. And then, Tim, if you want to speak to what we can do as we're trying to cope with this. Yeah, thank you. I think, first of all, uh, what's been clear from our conversation to everyone, students, teachers, staff, uh, members of the community, is it's pay attention to your health. Pay attention to your mental and emotional health. That's at the top of the message that we are, we are putting forth. And that's true now, maybe more than in the past, but it was true in the past also, and it will be true in the future that you should constantly pay attention. And when help is needed, uh, please seek the help that is needed. Our community is one that um, if I break my, my foot or I have cancer, it's easier for the community to sympathize with that than when I have mental health challenges. And we're still, it's a lot of work that has gone into that, but we still have a lot of more uh, work to do to make people comfortable and understanding that we shouldn't treat mental health any differently than we treat uh, physical health. Uh, some of the good things that's going on is there was a stretch here where we were going up at a rate in terms of new infections that was really very concerning to us and uh, for different reasons that include um, uh, uh, the passing of the mask mandate 
for reasons that include that we have a fairly high pr uh, number of us wearing masks and following the rules and uh, uh, physical uh, distancing, washing their hands, staying home when they're sick. The fact that the Board of County Commissioners approved additional staff for us to quickly do case investigation and contact tracing, we've just kind of, uh, uh, we, we, we can come down, we want to come down some, where we are, uh, is, is, it, it has, it's not the, the worst that it could be if we did not have those measures in place. And uh, like we've said throughout the day, uh, we're getting closer to having a vaccine, which will be very helpful in terms of herd immunity. Now, uh, depending on uh, the, the best estimate, after the availability of vaccine to get enough of us vaccinated, will still take a few more months, but at least we are very hopeful that we're getting to a place where in a matter of months, we can start uh, uh, lo uh, looking forward to getting back uh, to our lives like we knew it, living the way that, that we knew it, being able to interact with people and, and, uh, and, uh, and just uh, enjoy the advantages of uh, social interactions. I will say that again, uh, we're, we're talking mental health here. Our parks, our resources have been open. I, was, I had the opportunity to talk to Jeff Stewart and his team. And those are very good things. Go for a walk, go and utilize our parks. All of those are, will not just give you the physical health advantage, but it also gives you the mental health advantage. Again, all of these are determinants of health and it's beyond just the health department. It's a combination of several things that are going on in the department that uh, will uh, give us opportunities to better manage our stresses. And, and so again, uh, very optimistic, um, really appreciative of our community in terms of following the rules, masking. Uh, this past week, we updated our school getting criteria that allows even more uh, in-person opportunities, again, depending on how well we manage those mitigation criteria. We're making progress, we're not quite there yet, but a lot of good things to look forward to. And I would um, just echo some of the same things that uh, Dr. Ariola said, is that um, this is one of the things that I've appreciated about this community is that when there is a difficult time and um, Johnson County has experienced difficult times in the past. Um, and when we come together as a community, when we work together, whether that be the mental health center, the public health center, the parks, which is a, excellent way to be out in, 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 in do things and, and promote your mental and physical health. Um, when we come together as a community, um, there's not much that we can't overcome. And so I'm very hopeful um, about the future. Um, I look at the young people, I look at the young people that I worked with last year um, that were within the, the Zero Reasons Why campaign and, and all of those um, seniors that didn't get to graduate like normal, that their, their years were, their senior year was uprooted. I speak with them now from across the nation where they're at, they're at school, um, whether that uh, be somewhere locally or, or in another state. And, and I have contact with them and I hear them talk about um, what they're doing and, and how um, they're moving forward their life. And I know that that, is, um, that gives me reassurance that, that we can adapt and we can overcome. And, and the fact is, is that we can do that better together. Um, 
and 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 it makes it more difficult that that if we're split and if we're we're uh, you know polarized. But the more we can come together, I think the better off we'll be, and I think the more hopeful we can be that this will that this will end soon. I think that I'll just finally wrap up in saying that um, uh, I think the most important thing that we can do um, is to wash our hands, to socially distance. Um, and when I say socially distanced, I should say physically distanced because we can still say, stay socially connected with one another without being um, next to someone. And then finally, wear a mask. Um, we do those three things and, and, and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get through this. All right. Great information. And, and thank you both for all the, the hard work that you're doing. I know you don't always hear the, the appreciation necessarily, but I know that the community appreciates what you're doing. Uh, and thanks, thanks for, for participating in this conversation. I think that's, there's a lot of good information that hopefully uh, people will find hope and uh, we'll, we'll move forward. And thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you. You just heard Joko on the go. Join us next time for more Everything Johnson County. Have a topic you want to discuss? We want to hear from you. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at JocoGov. For more on this podcast, visit jocogovorg forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening.